Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Welcome to, this is the 200th episode Crazy. of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. That's amazing. I know, incredible. Yeah. So, out, so outside, uh, before we, for those who are listening, outside before I came in, this guy goes, congratulations on the 200th episode. He said, I listen to everyone. They've not all been good. <laughs> that's, so awesome. that's what he said. And then he said, he followed up. You were standing there, huh, Mike? He followed up with, not everybody can be great all the time. Yeah. So I mean, 200 episodes. Yeah, that yeah. is such an amazing accomplishment. And we are super excited to have a live studio audience with us for this yes. special episode. So thank you guys for being yes. here. This is going to be amazing. I'm excited um, to chat with you about, we have some amazing questions today and we're going to get some questions from our studio audience yes. as well. Be nice. Be so nice. that'll be really great because you're live and on the spot, Yes. which, you know, anyway, but <laughs> so this week uh, we've had a lot going on in yeah. our nation. I, I mean, uh, again, our hearts are broken again. Yeah. Tragedy in Nashville, uh, Covenant Christian School was shot. Some six people were shot yeah. at Covenant Christian School. And uh, we're just grieving. I know many people have hard hearts or they've become numb. They've mm -hmm. decided, you know, to pick a side. I mean, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So, I mean, you and I have talked um, many, many times. And and so, you know, Don and I began a relationship. I think we met through Cultivate first. Mm -hmm. And so you were part of the Cultivate team. But you and I have talked uh, outside of the debrief about many, many difficult issues. And, yeah. and one of the hardest issues that we've talked about is the George Floyd murder. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I so appreciated about you was you taught me how to respond when it's someone who looks like you, who's right. a victim of a crime. And I, I can't tell you how important that is because I think all of us, we, we don't think about the lens with which we see truth. And I just so appreciated that Donna said when the George Floyd thing happened, okay, how would I respond if I wasn't black to right. this? And that is just such a huge, huge question for all of us to ask when we see someone who is the same skin color, uh, in this instance, for me, same religion, right. um, you know, and probably more uh, closely aligned with me politically, you know, somewhat conservative. So, right. so, right. So I have to take a step back. And so here's the biggest problem that I see in our culture today is this binary thinking. It's us versus them. And it doesn't matter what the issue is. Um, it, it's us and them. It's black right. and white, right? It's good and evil. And, and things are far more complicated than you want to admit. And so take a step back and remember this, that God, the God that we worship was for those who were against him. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is let's have compassion. Yeah. Um, I think that we react rather than just grieving. Mm -hmm. And um, I think regardless of, of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, I think even for some of my friends that are cops, the George Floyd thing was painful. Grieve it. Yeah. There's so many law enforcement officers that are amazing. And we saw that firsthand in Nashville that are willing, like you can talk all day long about how brave you are. Those men ran into a situation and women ran into a situation where there was a live shooter taking lives and they did that for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, so before I criticize the George Floyd thing, can we just give a hand to law enforcement and yeah, say, absolutely. thank you for that. Um, there is, there is no harder job on earth right now than to be a police officer. And I think we need to thank them for what they do. Having said that, just like every profession, there are bad cops. There are bad pastors. I've met some of them. <laughs> yeah. Some pastors are straight up evil, like right. evil. And, and the Bible warns us. The Apostle Paul says that there will be wolves that rise from among you. Like, 
The people that you know, they're going to get nasty and, and be terrible. And Tammy and I were talking about wolves the other day and, and, uh, you know, and she reminded me, the Bible says they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. They don't look like a wolf. Um, cause it wouldn't that be helpful. People were like, I'm evil. Just so you know, <laughs> um, I think that would be so helpful. So I think what you taught me was take a step back and process it as something separate from yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I think that anybody does that, whether you're black, white, a police officer, whatever, when you look at the George Floyd thing, you go, okay, this was wrong. This was wrong. Yeah, period. Period. So now, now let me grieve that. Mm -hmm. So things like George Floyd, things like the Nashville shooting, these aren't just, you know, and I, and all my, you know, my, my pastor friends, right. They're going to get on their pulpit this week and we just need to repent and we just need to get our lives right with God. Well, that's part of it, but we also need wisdom, right? We need wisdom. How do we handle situations like this in a free country where people can buy weapons and that's the law of the land? How do, how do we, how do we live in a yeah. situation like this? And then how do we have compassion uh, not just for the victims, which I think they need to be the first person that we're compassionate for because they lost their lives. And, you know, for me, um, a pastor lost his kid. Yeah. And I can't divorce myself from that truth mm -hmm. any more than you could divorce yourself from the fact that George Floyd was black and that affects right. you. Right. Give yourself permission to grieve and go, this is, this is terrible, Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and this is awful and this is ugly. And, and, and learn to lament. I think what we do is uh, Republicans and Democrats, right? They run for the votes rather than what I would have loved to see was just leadership and grieving. This, this, is, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, regardless of your race, regardless of your religion, this is terrible. And, you know, we, it, it doesn't need to be a conversation on transgender versus conservative Christians. You know, it needs to be a conversation on man, this hurts. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do we grieve this? And I think as Christians, especially, um, you know, I've been very clear about, uh, you know, our church's stance on, on transitioning. And, and, and if you're a person who's struggling with gender dysphoria, I love you. God loves you, but you are more than, you know, the body that he gave you, but that body's a gift. And, and we don't want you to harm it or hurt it to try to become something that God hasn't called you to be. And so there's a different transformation that God wants to take you through, and it's a spiritual transformation. So I would just say, you know, I love you. And, and I would just say this is a church. Our hearts have to go out, especially to girls, um, because they've not done well the last, uh, I think it's since the, the, whenever we got the iPhone. Yeah. And, and the, guys, the data's in. This is not like Pastor right. Matt Brown's opinion. The data is yeah. in. Our girls are hurting. Right. Uh, they're not, they're not handling social media well, seeing themselves, being critical of themselves. It is doing some se severe damage to our girls. And so we need to have a heart for that. Mm -hmm. It's not helping our boys out much either, but, uh, boys for whatever reason seem to be a little more resilient to that. They're isolating and, and, and doing you know, some other things, but we just need to say, okay, this is new for us, you know, um, let's have compassion and say, okay, what, what can we do? And how can we as a church be a part of a solution mm -hmm. rather than getting in our corner and their corner and making it us them? Because I don't know about you guys. I don't care why you want to shoot me. I just don't want you to shoot me. Right. Like, like I know everybody's all about the hate crime. I don't, I don't really care about your motive. <laughs> don't <laughs> shoot me. Like that's like, like let's just, let's just, shoot. let's just talk about that. And so, it's sad to me. I mean, that's another conversation. I think that yeah. your point to the, I mean, to me, that she was female. Yeah. Which we don't normally see. I mean, I, yeah. I can't remember any female mass shooters. Maybe you guys can. I look think there that was up. one in the 19th century. That's it. Yeah. 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 So when I heard, I, originally I thought, oh, it was a transgender man. 
I right. get it so mixed yeah. up that it was a man wanting to be female. But yeah. then when I found out it's a female wanting to be male, I thought, oh my gosh, this is new. And I think it speaks to what you were saying. It was that 2007, 2017, mm. that time gap, you know, 10 years yeah. from the beginning of the iPhone, right. where we've talked about this before, where you have these girls that mm. are losing so much of their identity, wanting yes. to be something different. Mm. And especially we found, they found the research suburban white yeah. girls who don't feel like they have a thing, right? right. I'm not yeah. black or I'm not yeah. Hispanic or I'm not this. And so I need something to make me feel like I identify as something. And so they're moving into this place of transgenderism. But I don't know if that plays any part in even the fact that now we're seeing a female. Yeah. Well, what, what makes, what makes men, men is testosterone. Right. So when you start giving a woman, right. uh, testosterone. And let me just say this, you know, I have a good friend of mine, somebody that I love very dearly that is trans. And the thing that breaks my heart for him, he identifies as a woman. The thing that breaks my heart for him is he is a slave to the pharmaceutical yeah. companies for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to talk about that, but there is big, big money in this transitioning. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, it, it's big money and it's free checks from the government. Yeah. You know, like if I don't like my facial hair, I, you know, whatever. But if I'm trans, my insurance, Kaiser, is going to pay to remove that. $700 a session wow. for as many sessions as I need. So you don't think that affects yeah. the administrator running the hospital? And that that's not anything, if you work for Kaiser, I'm not saying anything negative. We just need to remember healthcare is business. Right. And, and if this is free money, yeah. unlimited money, we, we need to question and say, okay, right. has business ever acted <laughs> dishonorably in the past? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so we need to be very, very careful and have compassion for these people. And, and whenever you start messing with hormones, um, yeah. you know, at, at the gym that I work out, we just lost, lost a young man to suicide since you and I wow. talked 23 years old and he was using steroids. Mm -hmm. Steroids are hormones and they make you feel things and, and see things that you wouldn't normally feel or see. And this young man, Donna, honestly was so beautiful. He was mm -hmm. just, you know, I just, I, my heart just breaks for his parents um, and, and everyone who loved him, but it's hormones. He's yeah. injecting hormones into his body and yeah, it makes his muscles look great, but it wasn't so great for his brain. Mm -hmm. And it had a negative impact. And instead of calling people transphobic, just say, hey, look, we, we, we care about this young woman. Right. And, and let me say this, here's what the research shows why social media has been so devastating to girls. Um, you know, we, lo we love to say boys and girls are equal. Well, okay, that's a whole nother debrief where I offend everyone. But um, <laughs> actually girls are a little more athletically dominant until puberty. Right. So like, if you want to watch something funny, go watch championship basketball for 10 year olds. Girls rule. Like <laughs> they just dominate boys leagues because they're, they're just, they're just a little better. They're a little more active. And then this thing called puberty happens. And then all of a sudden, not only are they not better, they're getting lapped and they don't like their bodies and they don't like their breasts and their hips and they don't like all of the things that are changing. And so here's what the research shows is every single young woman doesn't like something about their body. So if we have a culture that says, well, maybe you're not a woman. Oh, right. that's it. Right. And it's this, it's this mm -hmm. silver bullet, right? This, this one thing is going to fix all of your problems. Mm -hmm. And we just need to love these girls and say, it's okay to not be a fan of the way your body's growing or the way your body's changing or what's happening to you. You know, I love you. God loves you. And, and we're here because you're, you're more than just how you look. Right. And I, I think that's so important when, you know, for all this stuff on social media, it really is about how you look. I mean, who likes a selfie? I can't, I cannot <laughs> stand taking, and it's, I mean, I would love to take a selfie for you guys. I hate 
how it looks. Well, most of us take yeah. a few. It's yeah. not just like one selfie. It's yeah. like fourteen. That's the. It selfie. doesn't matter yeah. how many. It doesn't matter how many I take. It's not improving. <laughs> You're all not, not You know, good. so um, so you know, I, I think we need to have a heart for 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 yeah, young girls absolutely. that are so critical of their bodies and um and the way they look and and now you know it's just it's just messing everything up and so that's what you know when i i hear my friends we just our nation just needs to repent and turn to god okay yeah but if everybody repents and and, and turns to god we still have girls with cell phones mm -hmm. we still have a society that you know hasn't figured out you know since the sexual revolution how we operate as men and women we, yeah. have, we haven't figured that out right mm -hmm. like we, we've got a mess that we've created um, because we've decided thousands of years of history, what did they know? <laughs> but are a bunch of idiots. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to just go this on our own. Mm -hmm. and, and really every day is someplace we've never been before. And, um, and I'm not saying we should go back. You know, I, uh, my daughter Madison's in the room and I want one time I, I commented to her, and I don't know if she remembers this, but I said, you know, I just wish that, you know, we, we would have, we would live in a different time sometime in the past. And my daughter said this, and, and you can resonate with mm -hmm. this. Uh, she said, well, the past wouldn't have been for good for me as a woman, dad. Yeah. Or for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Two strikes. Yeah. And so, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. See, got it. Um, yeah. But what I meant what, by that was not, let's go back to a more racist, more sexist society, but there were things that were more innocent Absolutely. and and there were things that were more safe. Um, you know, uh, 50, 60 years ago, racism was a problem, but kids weren't getting shot at school. I don't think parents worried about their kids going to the movie theaters. Like I... I'm so glad my kids like to watch things online because the movie theaters scare me to death. Mm. And that's because I'm a paranoid parent. And if you're not a parent yet, one day you will be. <laughs> um, but so, so, so I think we just need to say, let's have compassion. Let's not yeah. react. Right. Um, it's a terrible, awful, evil thing. And one person acting out is not a symbol of our entire society. That's the other thing that's so wrong. Yeah. We're all looking for evidence to believe what we want to believe. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of social media. That's the power yeah, of news. Absolutely. So um, policing is better than it was in the 1960s. Right. Do we have some more work to do? Absolutely. Racism is better than it was in the 1960s. Do we have some work? Yes, absolutely. So don't react because what you're looking for is you, you binary thinking. The world's gone to hell in a handbasket, which the Bible already said, regardless of what happens on the news. Mm -hmm. But just take a step back and have compassion for these yeah, people yeah. and and let's let's force our politicians to grieve rather than to point fingers mm -hmm. and because everybody goes to their corner and um and just know we're all manipulated by our emotions yeah um do you remember uh, that guy i think he's the university of alabama came out with the paper america's the most violent nation on earth mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys watched that all of his research is a joke <laughs> he didn't do any research in original languages Hmm. So when he calculated the shootings in America versus other nations, how, how do you know that if you're not reading local newspapers? Like you think India is just, you know, pr announcing all of the mass shootings <laughs> like in America, yeah, right? right? We, we announce it all these other right. countries, they shame that and they mm -hmm. put it away. So you actually have to do some research mm -hmm. and they've double checked his research. And actually America is probably the 26th most violent nation on earth, which wow. is still not great, right. you know, but we're not number one. We're not. Number so, one. um, yeah. you know, and, and you know why that is no matter where you go on earth, people are broken and people are violent, and people do heinous, awful crimes. And, and again, if you're listening to this debrief, that's why we, we need God. We mm -hmm. need God to change our hearts. But for us as the church, let's have a heart of compassion yeah. and not judgment. Um, you know, this is not the time for us to march against a transgender march. Mm 
Yeah. That's not right. That's not going to produce anything good. Uh, it's going to bring out everything that's bad in us. Yeah. And so we have to have compassion um, for young people uh, or middle age or whatever. If you're struggling with gender, your gender, if you're having gender dysphoria, let's have compassion. Mm-hmm. We love you. Uh, and, and I don't think the answer is a sex change. I, right. But, but uh, that's a conviction that I have because of my faith. Right. Um, and as, as free people in America, we have to allow people the freedom to disagree. Mm-hmm. And so a big thing that I'm concerned about is free speech yeah. and freedom of ideas. Because as Christians, guys, historically, it doesn't go so well for us when you can't share ideas freely. Um, like we got burned at a stake. Right. And our children were sold into slavery. It, it got really, really bad. And, and as Christians, when we came into power, we did the same thing to others. When you didn't have freedom of ideas and speech. And those are things that we, we take for granted um, because of a guy who said the truth shall set you free. That's where the whole idea of free speech comes from, mm-hmm. comes from Jesus. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, yeah um, wow, that was a good first question. That was a good first question. Uh, I, we need to mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. I think Amen. you're right. Instead of running to our corners and pointing fingers, I've been mourning the pastor who lost his daughter. I listened to his sermon a couple weeks prior and he was talking about mourning with those who mourn. Oh. And then I grieve for the parents that lost their daughter, the, the transgender daughter. And I yeah. just thought, I'm sure they're going, where did we yeah. miss it or what happened? And I just grieve and I grieve this girl that her life was mm. yeah. cut short that day. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, like yeah. eternity. Yeah answers right yeah and so it's interesting <laughs> that you brought that up and and i'm going to be very vague to protect the identity of this person but we had a shooting a couple years ago um that was tragic and on the news and so we know about all the victims that mm-hmm. were killed mm-hmm. we know about the shooter the parents of the shooter go to our church wow and i remember when i met them and the dad is like what do i do mm-hmm. he's like my dad my my son is 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 a murderer like he was in tears he's like what do i tell my grandchildren and and so like so so the repercussions of this shooting extend not just to the those who right. lost loved ones but if you're related to the person who took the the yeah. life mm-hmm. and i i i had no category for that i was right. like uh we got a uh, soul care you know um <laughs> here you go you know poor right. soul care that's why they're like yeah now we're out of here um, <laughs> But it, it really right. showed me, and, and, and you guys, that's why the family of faith is so important because right. it forces you to see things from a different perspective. And I yeah. never thought about the parents of the shooter. Yeah. And they were just like, they're the sweetest people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we didn't raise our son this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, just, they, they said drugs changed him. Yeah. And we lost our son to drugs, and then now he did this. Yeah. And, um, and they're the sweetest people. And I, I never thought about their tears until I saw it. And that's not to take away from the victims, you know, that's, that's pain. I think that we resonate with, but we forget. Yeah. There's pain all around. Yeah. It's just, and And that's what it's in the community and the nation really, but so good. Well, we are just so good, right? This is so good. Um, So we are finishing up a series on the 10 commandments. It's called old rules for a new life. This has been amazing. Uh, You just finished. Do not covet. How do you feel like the series is gone? What have you heard feedback about how it's impacting people's lives? Yeah. So actually Danielle's on the front row and uh, she was telling me how much she really liked uh, the sermon on uh, my last sermon. And I was telling her all the things that I need to improve. And she was like, you do realize that you talked about not wanting more. (laughs) I was like, yeah. "Yeah." So she was preaching a sermon back to me from my sermon to her. And then she convicted me 
after I convicted, it was great. So <laughs> it's just, it's funny how, how, how the, the word of God works, but you know, this whole idea of more and, um, I, I'm, I'm a person that's driven. Uh, I, I'm never a person that has to be told to, to get up and, and do things. I, I just, God's wired me that way. I'm go, 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 go. Um, you know, I'm the guy that I just believe, man, we, we have all of eternity to celebrate our victories. We have one lifetime to get them. Let's get them mm-hmm. and uh, celebrate later. And so I, I think that one was just so huge for me because I think so many of us miss the blessings of where we are because we're focused on where we're not. Mm-hmm. And personally, I have always struggled with being present, being in the moment. I'm a visionary, which means I'm in tomorrow, which means I'm not really good for you today. And, um, you know, uh, somebody was asking me, um, actually before the show, do you get nervous before you, you stand up and talk? And I was like, no, because when I have the microphone, I'm in control. What makes me nervous is when I run into you at the grocery store <laughs> or a concert, because I don't know, do you like me or not? And, uh, I can out talk you with the microphone, but, but not when we meet just in random places. That, that's actually where I get, I get nervous is out. But I think the series has been great. It's, it's been convicting. And, and I think for all of us, these rules are blessings from God. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, look, I love you. And you're going to be really miserable if you're constantly looking at what you don't have. And I've been as guilty of yeah. that as, as anyone. And um, not just really thanking God, because in my conversation with Danielle, who, if you're listening, she's in the, the audience. That's why I keep motioning over. <laughs> but, you know, the, the whole message is just appreciating what is. And, and mm-hmm. I spent 10 minutes talking to her about what it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, you know, and that's just where my desire for excellence robs me of the beauty of what was. Yeah. And, um, you know, so and if, if you're constantly focused on your, the excellence of your marriage or your kids or your finances or whatever, what you're, what you're in is in the future and you're not any good now. And um, so I hope that when you guys, I hope when you guys hear my sermons, you know that they're not just convicting you. <laughs> um I think that's the weirdest thing in your life is to hear God speak to others through you and then to hear that like an echo right, what you hit the people hear. and come yeah. come back at you and you're like, oh. Because the Lord is, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul says that the word of God is a double-edged mm-hmm. sword. So think about it. It cuts on both sides. And so as long as I'm right with God, you guys aren't just the ones that are being cut by that. I'm being cut by that in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a good form of cutting because it, it keeps my heart soft. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I loved it. I, I love this series. I'm, I'm thankful for <clears throat> our creative team and their ability to, to create the artwork and put it all together. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fantastic. Yeah, so it's been really good. Um, and many people, I mean, you think about it, they don't know the Ten Commandments. I mean, <clears> you would think <throat> yeah. that would be wild, but I know plenty that wouldn't be able to recite the Ten Commandments from top to bottom. So it's been really good. A great reminder for all of us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You ready to get into some questions? Yeah. I thought we just did, but we did extra. I mean, questions from people other than me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. This is Cheyenne Lacey from Instagram. Okay. Hey Cheyenne. Okay. So this question is in reference to PMB talking about raising your kids to love and follow God. That was a, something that got posted a couple weeks back says interesting. This is her comment. My family member was raised in Alabama, going to church with his family. Recently, I was talking to him about my love for Christ and he said it brought up a lot of bad memories Mm. and it made me think that maybe his parents were more religious to religion rather than dedicated to Christ because it's odd to hear someone who grew up in the church reading scripture and hear him say that it pushed him away. Yeah. That it caused him traumatic memories. My question is, 
why are not all churches made equal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're all welcome. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we've worked very hard at Sand Sandals is not a perfect church, but Sandals is a healthy church. It's very healthy. And we have worked very hard to maintain that. And, um, that's been painful because we've had some unhealthy staff members from time mm -hmm. to time, uh, who either would not change or could not change. And we've had to part ways Yeah, and that was ugly and painful. But my job as the head of this church is to make sure that evil doesn't win. Um, I don't always do that perfectly, but I do it firmly. And I'm very, very careful because I understand the blessing that sandals is. And I work hard to protect it because things can change yeah. like, like that. And so, um, so, so I got a bunch of blowback, by the way, on that post on my own Instagram. And a lot of people said the same thing. So I, I think there are two truths there. So remember I said, stay away from binary thinking. So what I said in the message alluded to, you know, people worship sport, mm -hmm. worship vacation, worship travel, and then they wonder why their kids don't worship God. Um, you know, it's, and it's because you worshiped a different God. So that's one problem. The other problem is you're hyper-religious and you're not loving or relational at all to your kids. That, that's another evil. And, and we have to remember, it wasn't the people on vacation playing sports that crucified Jesus. <laughs> it was the uber-religious. That's who murdered Jesus. Mm. And, and that's, why, that's why we need, um, we need God's love, because any religion without the love of Christ becomes evil, including Christianity. You know, we have to remember you know, it was Christians that thought it was a good idea to go and take Jerusalem by force when clearly God didn't care about Jerusalem because he because he let it go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not about a physical city. It's about a spiritual reality. And we have to understand that it was never about the land. It was about a relationship with God. And the land was where he chose to do that with his people. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to remember that it, it's about a relationship. And so, um, you know, Christianity is this weird thing because you know, some of you have, have come to Christ and it was very real for you. You converted. And that's a beautiful thing. Your children will not have that same experience. Mm -hmm. They will be birthed into a religious experience. And, and that's going to be good in some ways and bad in some ways. And so here's where Christianity is so broken. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm Irish and, and Northern European. My, my heritage is violent, um, warlike. Um, we sacrificed our children for thousands of years until Christian monks came and shared the gospel. We were wild, wild people. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but St. Patty's Day has nothing to do with snakes. There were never snakes in Ireland, but we did worship the devil. And that's what he drove away. That's what he got rid of. So here's the problem. Some Irish people, French people, uh, Norwegians converted. They had a real encounter with Christ. Most people didn't. And then all of a sudden Christians came in power. And so you have these violent, <laughs> <laughs> take by force people who are now a Christian nation. And so not all of Europe repented. And so what happened? Those beautiful Catholic priests, voices got quieter and quieter and the voice of the Viking got louder and louder. And that's why Europe has been such a violent place mm. um, because Jesus got lost in the midst of a very religious society. And so we have to be very, very careful that even though we practice our religion, we don't lose Jesus mm -hmm. because he's the one and he's the only one 
who said, love your enemy mm -hmm. as yourself. He's the only one who said, pray for those who persecute you. He's the only one who told his disciples to put down the sword. <laughs> yeah. And he said, that is not of my kingdom. Mm -hmm. But you can lose that. You can lose that. You know, um, I got a friend of mine who, I don't know where they are. There they are. They just got back from France. But the French weren't called the French. They were called the Gauls. And they were violent. And Rome hated them because they couldn't subdue them. Um, think of like German barbarians. That was France. And when the French first shared the gospel, the leader of the Gauls said this, if I had been there, they would not have crucified my Lord for they would have tasted my blade. Wow. I don't know that he converted. <laughs> <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm saying? He, he, he resonated with Christ, but he failed to see <laughs> that when, Jesus, when Peter cut off Malchus's ear, Jesus put it back. <laughs> yeah. Peter, this is not of my kingdom. And, and we need to remember that. And I think that's a really, really hard truth, especially for us as Christians. And it's where I disagree with so many of my conservative peers in my faith is they think the way to change America is through votes. I think the way you change the world is through hearts. It's yes. very different. Uh, I don't like being forced to do things. Because um, I, actually, I actually think Christianity is the best idea in the world. When we let Jesus speak. Mm -hmm. Right when my ego gets in the way mm -hmm. and my politics gets in the way and when like Peter, I try to take it by force, I, I am no longer in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm in myself. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure there were trolls on social media in the name of Christ that said a lot of terrible things this week about transgender people. Oh yeah, absolutely. None of those were of Christ. Mm -hmm. Not one of them. Mm -hmm. Regardless of their intent. Right. The Bible says never doesn't say pray about it. Never repay evil with evil. Mm -hmm. Never. Now, those aren't the verses anybody tattoos, <laughs> but they're the tomorrow. verses that we need to remember. <laughs> and we don't, we don't retaliate. Um, our Lord suffered voluntarily. Yeah. This mm -hmm. week. Right. This week. Mm -hmm. Voluntarily suffered and died on the cross for you. And we need to remember that. And, yeah. and I think that, that too oftentimes we forget, I forget that. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think part, I mean, you are right. Part of that, this, where you said there was two parts of this question, we do have a very healthy church, which, you know, I have shared many times. When you grow up in church, you see a whole lot of yeah. stuff. <laughs> you see Especially in my background that yeah. I came from, right? Yeah. Primarily charismatic Pentecostal background. And you just see a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's in any church, yeah. no matter. Um, so we do have a very healthy church. But I think the home environment is so important yeah. when it comes to children and introducing them to the things of God. Mm -hmm. And if mom and dad are authentic and real about mm -hmm. their faith, I feel like it goes a whole lot. You can endure a whole lot of church crazy mm -hmm. yeah. if home is stable, mm -hmm. right? And if your parents are living out an authentic faith. And so I love this question. I, why are not all churches made equal? I thought that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there, and there are some pastors that think I'm the devil, man. I mean, I've seen yeah. homeschool moms. Yeah. You know, they're like, Jesus warned me about you. I'm like, sorry. Um, you know, and I think that, and we have, we have to remember it was the religious uber conservative yeah. community that murdered Jesus. The people loved him. Right. The people absolutely loved him. And I, I, I'm, I'm reading through the gospel of John in my own private time. And 
uh, you know, after Jesus in the Gospel of John feeds them, it says they tried to take him by force and make him their king. And the scripture said, and he fled. Mm -hmm. He ran away from his own people who wanted him to take the world by force. Mm -hmm. God does not coerce. He does not force. He invites. And, and we need to remember that. And as Christians, we have to be okay with people being hellish sinners. That's their choice. Right. I just want you to choose differently. Mm -hmm. I want you, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah. And, and, and right, that's what I'm, that's what I'm betting on. Um, you know, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then my faith is silly. Right. The apostle Paul says, I'm, I'm a fool mm -hmm. because I'm saying no to myself in this life because I believe that there's another life that's to come. And the only way to that life is not through a relig religious teacher. It's through Jesus yeah. who he says, right. He came from the father. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and, and, and when you guys read that, sorry, I, I know I'm fresh in it. They call him a bastard. They said, we know who our dad is. Right. Do you, do you get it? What they're saying? Yeah. They knew Joseph wasn't his biological father. Mm -hmm. So they were twisting the knife. And uh, man, but he maintained his cool. He did. He did. It's our Lord. I would have lost it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peter did. So, yeah. You know, we all probably would have lost it. Great all question. Right. So good. Thank you, Cheyenne. Um, this is Joel from Riverside. Now, this is a this is this is a really good one. A, another current event. I recently saw that someone was terminated from their job for using a racist term. Oh yeah. What do you think is the difference between someone making a racist statement versus someone just speaking out of turn or using slang that they may not understand? Yeah, so I, I think I know what this person's talking about. It, it's the woman that uh, quoted Snoop Dogg. So she's a, a television reporter in Mississippi, mm -hmm. and she quoted Snoop Dogg, and uh, I'll let you she say She said, it. for shizzle my nizzle. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Donna's allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing, Donna, and, and I shared this with you um, in our private conversation. I did not know what that meant. He didn't know nizzle. What, he didn't know that you yeah. didn't know that nizzle was referring to the N-word. Yeah. Yeah, I had no uh, did idea. Did anybody else know that? Oh, you yeah. did it. I mean, but, yeah. All the white, all the white people husband, are like, no. Husband, did you know that? Did you know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any, okay. Did anybody else not know that? Nobody. You do it. You knew it. Okay. okay. A couple of us. Yeah. I mean, Snoop says that all the time yes. in his music. So maybe it was his way of commercialize. I don't know. Yeah. But well, yeah so for the record, I don't understand half of what he says. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but, he's high but, most of the time. But he, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, so here's the thing I would say is I, I think what we have to do is we have to create room for ignorance. And I think oftentimes mm -hmm. we, we use we use the word ignorant like a pejorative, but it's just a stated fact. Sometimes you don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're just ignorant. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know. Like when I was a kid, do you guys know what vacation Bible school is? Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, we had vacation Bible school and I was in sixth grade. And so uh, I was volunteering because I was a cool kid. And I went into this classroom and, and you're going to laugh, but I went into this classroom and I said, man, you guys are having so much fun. Are you having an orgy? <laughs> <laughs> different. <laughs> I, I, I was a Southern Baptist kid. I didn't know what an orgy was. Oh my goodness. I thought it was a party where you were having a really good time. <laughs> and I remember this speaking of religion. I remember being so shamed Aww. and, and the teacher said, your parents should put soap in your mouth. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I was ignorant. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have said it. Right. If I knew that. And so, you know, I, I think if that woman 
knew that she was saying the N-word, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have said it. That's yeah. very foolish to say it. So we have to, we have to leave room for ignorance and not make it a pejorative, not make it an insult. Ignorance is not knowing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. Versus intent. Mm-hmm. Something that's racist is not ignorance. Racist is intent. Right. I say something to you, Donna, because I want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I want to shame you. I want to make you feel less than. That's racism. That's gross. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we live in this hyperinflated society. And, it's, and here's why. It's because we've all gotten really good you know, at not being terrible to each other. So now we have to find ways where some poor lady, which she shouldn't have said it. I'm like, why are you quoting Snoop Dogg? You look like you're 50 anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's like if my mom quotes Snoop Dogg, I'm just like, that's cute. You know, and, and you it's move like, on. You yeah, know, you're just like, okay, yeah, right. Peggy Brown's quoting Snoop Dogg. <laughs> um, but but we, we, we build this thing up because I think mm. we're looking yeah. to be offended. Absolutely. And, and as Christians, we need to be looking to extend grace. Mm-hmm. And, and so like when Donna and I talk, I just literally say, Donna, if I say something that sounds remotely racist, <laughs> remotely sexist, misogynist, I forgot what else I said, homophobe, she has a big time job. Um, <laughs> and I have a big time mouth. So um, I, I need you to catch that and help me walk it back because I can ruin my life. Mm-hmm. I can ruin, Absolutely. I can ruin our church with a slip of a tongue and I heard somebody today came up to me at the, at the sermon recording and said, oh, my friends won't come to Sandals because they heard you said A. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I actually said, I would love to meet with your friends, but you need to know that when I meet with them, I'm going to tell them that slander because not only did I not say that, I actually said the opposite. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I live in a world where I say stupid things. I know you've never heard it, but <laughs> I, I, I say stupid things. Things come out wrong. Right. And, and that's why I hate w- how we make fun of politicians when they get their words twisted. You try talking for a living. It's not easy to always get it right. And w- we need to have grace. And, and, then, and then, you know, go after them on policy when their policy's off, but, but give them grace for their words. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I think that w- we need to do that. And so I think we just need to say we need to have grace. And again, let's take a step back. I don't need to tweet instantly what my thoughts are on for shizzle. <laughs> is, is shizzle a bad word too? Well, I don't, <clears throat> he's saying sure, right? For sure. That's what for shizzle is. You're like, way younger sure. than me. You should know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is shizzle? But he's yeah. saying like, for sure, my friend, except yes. the N word, you know, yes. uh, cause, because that in, in the black community, although it is not right, we throw that term around yeah. very loosely for like a friend or a brother or someone we've known for a yeah. long time. And so although someone who walks into our community would be <clears throat> completely, mm-hmm. you know, um, aghast that we're saying that people say it all the time. And we try not to say it in our family or have our kids say it. Our families don't, you know, but we hear it. Yeah. We hear it all the time. It's slang, you know, it's slang and rap. It's slang and, you know, kids are saying it all the time now because if they're saying any kind of rap lyrics, then they might yeah. be saying that. So he's saying for sure, my friend, yeah. but he's, it's his nizzle and, you know, right. Is that, I'm think I'm, I'm right. Right. McKay. See, I, McKay. <clears throat> and it's a generational thing too. I mean, I Why don't know. Why does the young white guy know what it means? <laughs> I mean, he's a DJ. Yeah, that's he's right. You're cool. a DJ. You get a pass. A DJ pass. You know, yeah. so, um, but it's also generational too. Like yeah. she probably, she was middle-aged. Yeah, you know, yeah. She heard that back in the nineties and thought it was just, and it lost some of its. And she was trying knows, to be, she was trying, trying to be playful, to be playful and, playful. and silly. And, and, and here's the thing guys. 
her career's ruined. Yeah. She's not coming back. Right. Like, and again, there are bills to pay. There's family. Yeah. Maybe there's kids that are not going to a certain school now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's the faux shizzle gal for the rest of her life. <laughs> and it's just, it's terrible. And it so is. we need to have grace. Yeah. And especially in a church that's multi-ethnic. Right. You know, uh, we, we have people that are straight, gay, denominational, you that's name right. it. And we need to learn to say, okay, I, I don't think that's what you meant, but this is how what you said makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And let's have a conversation about it. Because here's the truth is I offend my wife all the time and I love her more than all of you. Mm-hmm. It is natural to be offensive, uh, even when we don't mean to, with people that we care about. And so we need to learn, you know, okay, maybe you didn't mean it that way, but here's how I took that. Here's how I heard that. Or just lovingly say, hey, Matt, as a 51-year-old white dude, don't Don't say shizzle, (laughs) you know, (laughs) unless you want your career to fizzle, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's right. We have to have grace and not be so quick to be offended Mm. about every single thing. Well, and so let's go back to the shooter conversation that we started with. So here's one of the things that's so dangerous amongst young people is we've taught them that words are violence. Right. And that is... Look, say whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. Don't hit me. Right. It's not violence. Um, right? So we used to say sticks and stones may yeah. break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There used to be a clear delineation mm-hmm. in our society between physical harm and it words. Was. And that on our college campuses has been made the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same thing. And and, and we need and so so if if words are violence and you're speaking words against me. You're being violent towards me. So in my young mind, I might think that I need to be violent towards you. See, and and that's what's happening. And we just need to say, remember, uh, you know, during the George Floyd thing, I heard silence is violence. It's like, whoa, you know, I mean, that's, that's an even another step further. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel that pressure all the time, you know, like with the shooting, my daughter is on our, um, on our, um, tech team or a production team. I don't know what her actual team is. Sorry, Madison. But she asked me, she said, do you want to post something about it? Because there's such pressure yeah, as a absolutely. leader to post about every horrific thing that mm-hmm, happens. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a job to do and things to do and not like my job isn't to daily respond to the most evil act every day. Mm-hmm. But in our culture, if, if you don't say something, yeah. then somehow or it's Easter and I'm trying to get ready and, yeah. and, and I, I can't get to, and so she posted it, mm-hmm. you know, and said, Hey, praying for Nashville. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause I didn't have time to do that. It doesn't, it's not that I don't care. Right. It's just that I have something else to do. And there's just, and I think we all feel pressured mm-hmm. to like post and I, you know, and, and, and it's like, look, I'm not a big fan of social pressure. Yeah. You know, I just would prefer to, we just do what's right. Yeah. That's Amen. And I don't always know what that is instantly. That's the other thing is I get emotional mm-hmm. and I'm not always sure what the right thing is to say or to do. It's like at funerals, I think a lot of times the best thing to do is just not say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I hear people say things. I'm like, <laughs> you know, God didn't need a flower. That's not why <laughs> your wife died. You know, God I mean, I, people say dumb things, you know, God <laughs> right. needed a flower in his garden. So he killed your mom. <laughs> Yeah, no. Let's all praise that God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> all right, so we're going to take some questions. Oh, that was wow. great um, from our live audience. And if you do have a question, would you please come up to the microphone? Thank you, brave oh, wow. person. <laughs> Thank you. First. I didn't know I'd have to come to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, y'all tricked me. 
Okay, so a couple months ago, I was reading Revelation, which I don't typically do because it's very confusing, right? Yeah. So uh, the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign. Mm -hmm. Growing up in church, I've always kind of been taught and assumed that we all get to come back. And like, we'll all be here reigning with Christ for a thousand years somewhere in the timeline of end of times, right? But I was reading in Revelation uh, chapter 20, and it says... Um, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came back to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come back until the thousand years had been over. Mm. So who comes back yeah, for yeah. the thousand years? <laughs> yeah, nice softball question to start. I thank know, you. that's a great one. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. revelation. Thank you, thank you. Give her all hand. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, just so you guys know, uh, Revelation almost didn't make it in our Bibles as evangelicals. Martin Luther was so confused by it, he wanted <laughs> it out uh, because it's so difficult to understand. I mean, it's a true story, and, and that's not to put down Lutherans. It's just to say it's an incredibly difficult verse to, or bu- book to understand, and, and that's because it was written that way. Mm-hmm. It was written that way to protect Christians from Nero. So I know many of you guys have heard, uh, you know, what does 666 mean? We're almost positive it's the spelling of Nero. And his name shall be 666. It is the numerical value of the name Nero. And what he was doing is he was hunting Christians. And that's what you need to realize is the book of Revelation doesn't just mean something for you and I. So when John was writing it, he wasn't saying 2,000 years from now, people are really going to appreciate this. (laughs) He wrote it for people who were suffering right then and right there. And, and, and revelation is apocalyptic, which makes it difficult to understand. Um, it is, you know, future oriented and present. And so it's difficult to know when something was for that audience or the next audience. And so the best we can tell, and, and I'm, you know, I'm in the minority on this in America, but Christianity is global. N.T. Wright says that the word thousand is not an actual number, a thousand years. It means like million, billion, you know, and they shall reign with him for a thousand years. It's, it's like an unending reign. And so that passage is extraordinarily difficult to understand because you have people coming and going. But what I think the primary meaning of that text is because Christians were being beheaded for their faith. And what he's saying is those people get to come back first. They are priority at the resurrection because they served Jesus and refused to deny him. So you're, you know, you're going to hear me tell a story on Easter uh, about uh, the conver- the con- uh, conversion of a Roman general named um, Vespian, and um, and 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 he is trying to get these forty soldiers of the Roman Empire to recant their faith because all you had to say to not die was Jesus isn't Lord. That's all you had to say, but Christians wouldn't say it, and so they were beheaded. And think about that, young. Young Christians, young people, they missed out on life. They missed out on their whole thing. They get to reign with him first. And for how long? A thousand years. Mm. It's a thousand years. So they have priority in John's eyes because they didn't recant their faith. They were faithful to the very end. He goes on to say in his shorter letters in John 3, John 2, uh, at first John, second John, third John, sorry. Um, and I want you to notice I don't have scripture in front of me. So give me a little grace here. But he goes on to say that after we have suffered unto blood, that we no longer wrestle with this world. What he means by that is Christians that have died. 
Once you have been willing to shed blood, you gave up your life for Jesus, you have overcome this world. Mm. And so John is writing to encourage the Christians. And it's hard for us to understand that we were hunted. We don't think of Christianity as minorities. We were hunted. We were hated. Um, we were exposed. Um, there was a civil war within Judaism. Christians, so within, mm-hmm. within the Jewish religion that is both a religion and an ethnicity, you had, as Jesus said, mother against father, brother against brother, sister against sister. You had a huge schism. And you had this massive movement like the world had never seen, and it turned the world upside down. So uh, to answer your question, we don't know exactly what it means, but my best understanding is that he's saying forever. Mm-hmm. We will reign with him forever, and it will be an earthly existence. And so this is one of the things that so many of us forget as Christians is we don't live in heaven forever with Jesus. What we're waiting for is a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're waiting for. And so the problem that John has when he's writing Revelation is Jesus is the Lord of all. All authority and power have been given to him, but it sure feels like Satan is winning. Mm -hmm. So how do you explain that? God is allowing Satan to be loosed, to be set free, to come after the church. But in the end, the church will be victorious and we will reign and rule with Christ And it will not be, and some of you guys don't know this, when you read in Revelation, the seven hills, the dragon on the seven hills, the city of Rome sat on seven hills. So he's being very, very careful. And he's not calling them Rome, he calls them Babylon. Because Babylon is language that Christians and Jews would understand, but a Roman, they don't know our weird religion. They don't understand that. So it meant something to them, and it means something to us. There are Christians who believe, it's called, they're called millennials, who believe in a literal, what does that mean? Actual, thousand year reign with Christ. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you believe in that, it gets really weird because he reigns for a while, then there's a persecution. It, it gets, it's really, really difficult to make sense of revelation chronologically when you read it literally. Because um, you don't always know, well, let me see, the first six chapters are pretty easy, mm-hmm. the letters to the church. And then it's like, here we go. Um, <laughs> have a beer and enjoy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's very, very difficult to understand. And so in the end, I don't know. Some people think they do. I have lots of questions. I can't wait to hang out with the guys that wrote the scriptures. And, uh, and it's going to be something like this. I know the Holy Spirit inspired you to write every word, but could I have suggested a word? Um, you know, kind of like the way you guys feel when I'm done with my sermons. What about, you know, what about this? Awesome. So great question. Great question. Hopefully Thank the other ones, next ones are easier. I know. All right. We've got another question. <clears throat> All right. Here's my question. Recently, a well-known church has been in the news for bringing on a woman pastor having both her husband and herself considered the pastor. This has stirred a bit of controversy, particularly with the Southern Baptist, which is your tradition in ministry. Can you speak to the woman's role in the church, particularly when it comes to preaching and teaching? Right. Amen. Thank you very much. That was my wife asking that question. She's she's applying. Yeah. She's applying for my job. All the girls. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, again, um, Scripture is very, very clear on some things, and Scripture is uh, a puzzle on other things. Mm-hmm. And the, the role of women in the church is a puzzle that needs to carefully be put together. And so um, whenever you put a puzzle together, Tammy and I, do you, do you and Devo ever make puzzles? 
Okay, that's something you do when you get old. You're not there yeah. yet. <laughs> so we I'm like, like we like puzzles? to. We, yeah, it's coming, Devo. <laughs> um, it's by a whenever puzzle. we put together a puzzle, you guys, what's the first thing you look for? Does anyone know? The edges, the corners. So whenever you're trying to understand something different, difficult theologically, look for the corner pieces. Jesus Christ is the corner what? Stone. Stone, yeah. right? So he's the, he's the person that the whole thing is built on. And so when we get confused or we don't understand things about the Bible or God, okay, well, Jesus is the cornerstone. I got that piece. That's good. And, and, and the issue with, with women is, <clears throat> that is there's some really clear verses, and then there's some verses that clearly contradict <laughs> those really clear verses. And so, so you have to deal with that. And so you have the Southern Baptist Convention, which, what's the good things about them? They are committed to the inspired word yeah. of God. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. They get a lot of things wrong. They take a lot of heat. But just know that they receive a lot of their criticism because they stand on the word of God. Mm -hmm. So we have to praise them for that. They have not changed in that. And so many other denominations have changed on that. What, they're, what, what they've done is they have elevated the role of pastor. The Greek word for pastor is poimen, and they have made that the highest role in the local church. I disagree with their understanding of, of the role of the local church. And the reason for that is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul gives us uh, the gifts of the church. Some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be evangelists. Some are pastors. Some are teachers. Am I forgetting one? Prophets. Prophets. There we go. Uh, you know, so those th those are the fivefold ministries of the church. What he doesn't mention at all is the role of elder mm. and the role of bishop. Both of those are in First Timothy and Titus. Those I think are clearly reserved for a man. I think a man clearly must be the bishop and the overseer or elder, the head elder must be a man. And that is a unique role in the church. But when you get into things like, can women teach? The issue is, Paul clearly states in 1 Corinthians 11 that a woman, when she prophesies in church, must do so with her head covered. So throw out the head covering thing. He just said a woman yeah. can speak prophetically in the church. But when she does it, and, and so, you know, there are some churches that they make women cover their heads, which I'm just like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> uh, there are some things that are cultural, and you have to, as you're putting your puzzle piece together, you have to go, okay, Paul is speaking to a specific audience with some specific understandings of what gender roles look like. So in our next series, uh, He, She, which is going to be totally controversial, <laughs> um, one of the things I'm going to say is, is sorry, <laughs> I said she, he? <laughs> so, sorry, in Hebrew... In Hebrew, the way you say she is he. So, <laughs> oh, uh, that's not confusing. Yeah. She, her. She, she her. her. Um, you know, accor according to the Bible, and not everybody agrees with me, and that's okay. Your neighbors, your mom, your friend, your, your transitioning <laughs> sister or brother might not agree. Here's what the Bible says. Gender is binary. Mm -hmm. It's two things. That doesn't mean that there aren't hermaphrodites, an incredibly small percentage of people that we need to have compassion for right. and, and really, really pray for. That's real, but gender is binary. For, okay, most of us, right? You know that. Mm -hmm. Femininity and masculinity is cultural, mm -hmm. and that changes. You want to blow your mind of what a woman's role is? Go read Proverbs 31. It is nothing like what you thought you're supposed to be. That <laughs> right. woman is handling her business. Right. She is. Mm -hmm. She is amazing. So femininity is cultural. Mm -hmm. So a sign of femininity in the ancient world was long hair. 
men were not to have that, right? That was a big deal in the 60s because they went and looked at that scripture and they said, no, no, back then a woman's glory was her hair. It was her covering. Mm -hmm. So when she does that, she is to speak, listen to this, as a woman. She must be recognized as a woman, not supplanting a male, not pretending to be male, but she can speak. And so I think what Saddleback Church did, and that's the church that did it, it's the most famous Southern Baptist Church. They just did it really clumsily. Hmm. And what they did is they said, we're ordaining women to be pastors, which I believe biblically they can be. But it's not, it's not that they can't be pastors, but the Southern Baptist Church has made that the highest elevated status. And that's not what 1 Timothy and Titus says. It says the highest is presbyteros, where we get the word Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Or um, that's, a, excuse me, presbyteros is elder, no, Yes, Presbyterian. Okay, I don't have my Greek in front of me, my Greek Bible. Or um, pres, presbyteros or episkopos. There we go. Episkopos is two Greek words, over and seer. Mm-hmm. The person that oversees the whole thing. So I we have pastors at every campus. I really operate at Sandals as an episkopos. I oversee 14 campuses. But I don't want you to call me bishop because I think it's weird. <laughs> doing it now. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's the actual function that right. I carry right. and that's the actual role that I take. Right. Uh, and then we have a group of elders at our church that, that are men. But women can prophesy. I believe they can teach. Who are the first people to proclaim the gospel? Women. It's all women. So if Jesus thought they could do it, I mean, if you want to arm wrestle with Jesus, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to arm wrestle with Jesus. And, and, and there's, what I love about that story is, ladies, it's the strength of women. All the men failed. All the men fled. Mm-hmm. It was the women who were there for their Lord. It's powerful. It's powerful. And, uh, and I think it demonstrates, and, and some of you guys fail to see this, Jesus is the new Adam. Where does Eve come from? Adam's rib to come alongside to help. Who is at the grave? Yeah. It's the new Eve. She's there as he births the church, Amen. which is his bride, the feminine strength. And, and we need to realize that. And so, you know, we get into these arguments and, and uh, you know, the first Timothy passage is extraordinarily difficult. Uh, it says that, you know, women can be saved through holiness and child rearing, which Man, I don't know what to do with that passage. I'm glad you didn't ask on that one. Uh, thanks for the softball revelation question. But there's, there's just something there that we don't understand. You know, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor. I used to be a young pastor. It's very scary. He's pastoring in Ephesus. Ephesus is the, is the center of the world for the cult of Diana. Mm-hmm. By the way, to be a priestess in the cult of Diana, you had to be a woman. Right. And so I think the Apostle Paul may have been a little heavy-handed saying, no, 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 guys. In our creation story, the man came first and the woman was second and she was deceived. Ladies, take a step back. And I don't know. I, I have to ask him. When I, after the thousand-year question, <laughs> then I'm going to ask him what that passage means. But we know that women can speak. They did speak. Deborah led Hulda. So, so that passage says women can't teach. Hulda was a teacher. Yeah. She was the only one in Israel who could read and write Hebrew. And so how many of you have never heard of Hulda? Raise your hands. Yeah. Amazing. She's in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Mm. So Josiah finds the scriptures. He's like, what are these? Like some of you at home. What is this? It's a Bible. (laughs) And he goes, we should find someone to read it. 
Right. No one in Jerusalem can read Hebrew except a woman named Hulda, mm -hmm. who is a prophet. And she says, this is what you guys should do. And the king freaks out and is terrified after her sermon. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that we need to work together. Um, I think that we need to do that. What I'm saying would make a lot of Southern Baptists incredibly uncomfortable. I'm telling you I'm right, biblically. <laughs> um, and, and, and so here's the thing. Many of you have religious traditions. And if you are more loyal to them than you are to what the scripture teaches, you're going to miss out on the beauty of God. Mm -hmm. Don't let your religious practice get in the way of your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. There are scriptures that are difficult. Yeah. And so maybe the guy down the street, they're going to say, no, women can't teach. Okay. That's the, I, I'm not going to throw stones at them. What I would say is as long as that pastor is, is teaching what he believes the word of God says, because God's going to hold them accountable. Right. And you guys need to pray for me because I have to stand before God and be judged for what I taught you. Every word. You think Google doesn't forget? God heard every word. Mm -hmm. And it's why he says not many of you should be teachers. Right. Because you receive a stricter judgment. Mm -hmm. Think about that. You guys just get to stand in front of the consuming fire. <laughs> <laughs> I get to stand in front of the consuming fire and, and he's going to heat it up. <laughs> right. So... Um, so I, I think Saddleback handled it in a very clumsy mat, um, um, fashion. And oftentimes hmm. it's just a war of words mm -hmm. and it's just saying, okay, what does the Bible say? And what are these roles? And Ephesians 4.12 gives one list. First, uh, Timothy and second Timothy and Titus give another list. And how do we make sense of this with scriptures that clearly indicate women can lead, women can speak and women can teach. Uh, Jason in the book of Acts has four daughters who prophesy. Right. What do you do with that? They, they speak in the church. And so I, I think that's incredibly important. And, um, you know, to, to value, you know, that beautiful, wonderful role in the church. And, and hopefully our church will handle it and, um, and receive it. Cause I think that we should, we should be able to wrestle with the word of God and say, okay, yeah. This is an issue where not everybody's in agreement. And I think people are hungry for it. I yeah. mean, there's so much rhetoric on social media about women teaching. Anytime yeah. you see a woman, you know, I've gotten it on my post or, you know, if you follow Lisa Bevere, there's some yeah. crazy somebody somewhere. And I don't want to call them crazy. Sorry, random people. But um, saying something that woman should not teach a woman should because yeah. that passage is so clear, mm -hmm. like you said, it gets elevated above every single other scripture right. about women teaching or leading or, and I think I learned from you when the last time about yeah. presbyteros yeah. and this elder position yeah. and, and how in the fivefold, there's no gender distinction between right. any of those roles. Right. And so I think you're right. I mean, we just have to, be open to wrestle with God's word and say, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I always ask God, why didn't you leave that out? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. why do we have to wrestle over this scripture? It, you know, and anyway. Yeah. And so let me just, let me just like blow your minds away. Um, <laughs> there, always there, do. there are things, there are words in the scriptures that you think you understand. And let right. me just, let me just blow your mind. So when you think of headship, Christ is the head of the church as the man is the head of the woman. Right. So when you think of that, you think of like, right the head. Mm -hmm. Well, we use that word in a very different way that's going to blow your mind. What if I said you and I need to have a talk because this is going to come to a head? Mm. See, head doesn't just mean on top. 
it means coming together. What is Christ? He's not just the head, he's the corner stone. Mm-hmm. So the man's job in the church is to bring it all together. Mm-hmm. It's not to be the head, it's to be the head. Mm-hmm. To bring things together and make sure that things are good and true. And and, and that's just a word that's been misunderstood. But And it's the same, that, that's one of the words that's the same in Greek as it is in English. Head can mean head, mm-hmm. and head can mean, you know, we, this is coming yeah. to a head. Like mm. we, we use it to come together. It's exactly the same way in Greek. Mm. Um, and so in the same way that Christ is the head of the church, so he brings it together, the husband brings the wife together, which is why he says, submit one to another. Boom, unto Christ. Right. And so, um, you know, much of our faith was affected by a guy by the name of Augustine who was more Roman than he was Christian. And he changed things. And, 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 and the church for 400 years, and you guys need to, I know not to just get totally controversial, but Evagoras Ponticus, who wrote the Enneagram, who is a Christian, I don't care what you say. Uh, <laughs> Evagoras Ponticus, when he sinned, he was a bishop. When he sinned, you want to know where he went? He went to Jerusalem to see a woman whose name was Mary. And he asked her what he should do. And Mary sent him to Egypt to become a monk. Women had an incredible role in the church until the fourth century. And that changed with Augustine, who was a sex addict. And he he had a demeaning view of women. Mm-hmm. He just did. He was a Roman. And we know, we know in uh, Romans chapter 16, there's a woman named Junia. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, the Greek is a little hard to translate there, but it probably should be translated who is well known among the apostles. She may have been an apostle Mm -hmm. in Rome. Paul says, and you have been a Christian longer than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's just some stuff that will blow your mind that, um, you know, the church is kind of lost. Yeah. And so we need to, you know, it's like when people say, well, the Enneagram is occultic. Well, it started off Christian. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was written by a Christian. Now, it may have gotten muddy throughout the years, but let's go back to the source. Let's go back to, to the beginning as much as we can. So, so oh, yeah, the, the series She, Her, Not He, She um, <laughs> is coming. Awesome. Yeah, okay, so we have room or time, room and time, for one more question. You were telling me to wrap it up. Uh, See, this is what happens when it's live. We don't have any questions by up. guys. R- oh, we did it? No, no male questions. McKay's looking at me. Pastor yeah, yeah. Matt's Let's looking do one at more. me. Let's right there. do one more. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. As he's coming up, uh, so this is my good friend Tyler. So his wife is actually here, Stephanie. Stephanie! Let's give her a hand. She did. Yes. Um, 199. No, I'm just going to have Yeah. So uh, Stephanie started the debrief with me, and uh, Thank you, I'm so grateful. So this is why I love Stephanie. So she was actually, I, th- I think, my assistant at the time, and we were sitting down to record, and I said, we need a, we need a feminine voice. Mm-hmm. And she was the only woman in the room. So I said, I was like, I, you guys should I said, just jump behind the mic. And she was so great. And so let's give her a hand. Yay, you were awesome. Stephanie. We love you. Um, okay, uh, my question, uh, it kind of ties in with the last one, and I work in a very uh, <clears throat> male uh, field, mm-hmm. and uh, I've come to see the decline of men wanting to be in church, be a part of church, um, especially with my age group, millennials, yeah. <clears throat> and I'm just wondering why that is and what I can do, what we can do as a church to change yeah. that. That's great. Amen. Thank great you very much. Question. 
Uh, so I think that um, it's a direct result of the feminization of culture. Um, it's just the reality. You know, we, we've forgotten what men are. Tammy and I were watching The Bachelor the other night, and the guy had hair on his chest, and everybody's like, ooh. <laughs> I'm like, that's what a man looks like. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I don't wax, you know, like, um, you know, and, and seriously, I mean, think about that. We, we're trying to make men look like women. And it's, right. it's because, you know, there's a reason we say toxic masculinity, but we don't say toxic femininity. How many of you have ever met a toxic woman? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, boo. <laughs> um, both genders are prone to sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that men get a bad rap. And so ladies, you need to champion men. Mm -hmm. You need to be there for men. For a lot of history, women got a bad rap. They didn't right. have a voice. They had no much authority. And here's what we always do. The pendulum swings too far. Mm -hmm. And so now guys don't want to get married. And why would they want to do that? Why would they want to step up and be a man and have a family when they're going to work hard and you can leave him and he loses half of everything he has because of what you did? That's our culture. Right. I prayed with a guy today. Oh, I can't be this specific. Um, I prayed with a guy today who literally got moved out of his house because his ex said it was his and the court just believed her. Hmm. And he's out of his own home. Wow. And, you know, I don't want to get any more specific than that, but that's, ladies, you've been given a lot of power. You didn't have it, but now you do. And so what we need to say is we need to equally admire both men and women. Mm -hmm. and celebrate both men and women. And what we have to do is we have to celebrate things about men that maybe make us uncomfortable. Um, you know, men, yeah. men men get angry. But if we ever go to war, we're going right. to need a little anger. Right. We're, we're going to need a, a little masculinity. You know, we can't have Lieutenant Latte, right, <laughs> charging the front. Um, so in his skinny jeans, you know what I'm saying? Um we, we need, we need real men. And so what we have to do is uh, a part of that ladies is being involved with the educational system and, and calling out feminism when you see it. Right. Boys aren't good at sitting still and being quiet. It's why, it's why, you know, my grandchildren will probably have all female professors because men just aren't going that far academically anymore because they just, they don't want to sit still. Mm. They don't want to play your games. They don't want to live life the way you do. And so we have to learn how to tap into that masculine spirit and say, look, it's okay. And I try, uh, Tyler, to speak to men at our church. I think it's why Jordan Peterson's so pow powerful and so popular. I think it's why Joe Rogan is yeah. so popular. And I don't agree with everything that either of those guys say. I don't agree with everything I say. Um, <laughs> but what they are is they're unapologetically men. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what I love about Jordan Peterson is, you know, ladies, we've only talked about equity in the cool jobs. We don't talk about equity in the crap jobs, <laughs> yeah. you know, that we don't want equity in bricklaying, no. you know, Tyler's in construction, <laughs> you know, I mean, when's the last time you got a contractor and a woman showed up? So where are we going to put this bathroom? You know, <laughs> it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's rare. Right. It's extraordinarily rare. And men have to do difficult, hard jobs mm -hmm. that oftentimes involve death. Yeah. And we need to thank God for men that are willing to do those jobs. Um, and I think healthy, secure women want strong, masculine yes. men. We don't want... Lieutenant Latte. Yeah. You know, we, we, unless he's making your drink. And well, my <clears throat> husband makes me coffee yeah. almost every morning. 
except for this morning. What happened? No, I'm just kidding. But um, we strong, healthy hmm. uh, women recognize their need for strong, masculine men. And I think when you rage against, I mean, it's it, it's beautiful how God has made us complimentary mm -hmm. and we have to celebrate each other we yeah. have to celebrate i i don't want to lay bricks you're right yeah. and i don't want to run into war yeah i will make the pancakes for when yeah. the men come back or whatever <laughs> yeah. and i am perfectly fine i don't want to run out there yeah i think that we are either raised to we are either raised to be men or yeah, we're not that's true and so i think about i think about my grandfather um you know um i i have a i have a clip that's going viral right now um and where i talk about not fighting and somebody said something um, really disparaging about my grandmother. They called her a female dog. Actually, that was their post, which didn't offend me. I just laughed because I know who my grandmother was. Right. And you, your name calling doesn't impact who she was. Right. But let me tell you who she married. She married a man who lied about his age, who said he was 18. And he got on a boat and he fought a country he'd never heard of hmm. to set Chinese people Korean people and Filipinos free. That's what he did at the age of 16. He was shot and he was wounded. My whole life he pointed at me without a finger <laughs> because as he charged a beach, he lost that finger. He was so maimed by a, by a grenade that they told my great-grandmother he was dead for three months wow. because his dog tag blew off onto somebody else. And he called my grandmother who had to drive, my great-grandmother had to drive to Auburn City Hall because they're the only one with the phone so she could talk to her dead son. Wow. And he said, Mom, I'm not dead. My great-grandma passed out. That's a different breed of man. Right, come on. That's what I'm saying. That's a different yeah. breed of man. And, um, and, 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 and not just white men. There were black men right. who got on segregated ships to fight for this country, mm -hmm. this broken, racist country, but they loved it. Yeah. And... Man, I, I just think we, we need to raise men like that again. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to, you know, like we want everything safe. Ladies, God did not make us to be safe. That's why we're so thick-headed. Mm -hmm. He made us to be dangerous. And there's a part of us, and I, and I want you to think about that. When Adam and Eve sin, God puts a flaming cherubim in front of the Garden of Eden with a sword. Mm -hmm. Do you know, want to know why that is? Because Adam was badass. And you ain't keeping him out right. unless you put a powerful angel there with a sword. That's who Adam was. You ever think about who named a lion? Mm -hmm. Come here, kitty cat. <laughs> he did. You, you have no idea who you are as a man. And so um, we're talking about women because we're talking about the role of women. But what we need is strong women to call out men to be strong. Yeah, that's good. To call out. And... Um, and, and that's what we need. And, and to affirm our masculinity and to affirm that we are different. You know, I love my wife. I am not a woman. Right. I don't think like her. I don't process like her. I don't see the world like she does. I love her and she gives me a different set of eyes. But I give her a different set of eyes. And, um, and you're right. Somebody breaks into our house. My wife doesn't want to be equal. She she's like, you go die. You yeah. you even for the bugs. Yeah, I don't you're not be this equal. head. You're that <laughs> head. Go. Forget the murderer, yeah. the yeah. cockroach. I don't yeah. want to be you know equal. Man, I felt the Lord on that. That yeah. was really good. Yeah, like thank you. super super yeah. super good. Thank you for that question. That yeah. was excellent. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that was great. Yeah. This was your 200th episode. Yeah, thank you. You did great with the life questions. You handled Revelation like a pro. <laughs> you need to do a series. I don't know if Sandals has ever done a series on Revelation. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm too scared. Yeah, <laughs> all the Revelation people will come out on social media and be like, actually, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyway, not that they're not already doing that. But we're so excited. Thank you guys for watching. Thanks for our studio audience for listening and being a part of this. If you um, have a question in the future, please submit it. We'd love to hear. You can submit through the app. You can submit a question on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you guys for watching. Please share the debrief with someone that you know. And you have a great have a great night or day or whenever you're watching. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.